Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. I am H.A. Conrad, here with my good friend and co-host, Ali Matu. Hello, Ali. Hi, Conrad. Episode 30, or what are we? 49. 49. 49. 49. Pretty psyched for this. What are we talking about today, Conrad? Today, uh, we are talking about Into the Woods, um, which is Disney's... Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. You're going to sing throughout this episode, <laughs> aren't you? A lot. Um, um, I've, I've got a... I, I created something special for us today uh, for this, so I'm excited. Did you, did you put together a little medley? I'm, I might have. Something. Yeah, we'll find out. But yeah, we're talking Into the Woods, and um, then... What's yep. in our crossover? Um, in crossover, we are going to... We're going to pit Into the Woods against Les Mis, the, the 2012 musical film uh and the question is going to be which which film makes a is a better adaptation of a musical or i guess which is a better musical film is maybe a better way to put it and then we've got a top five fairy tale retellings uh that'll be interesting uh top five to discuss uh keeping in theme with into the woods um so yeah let's let's get to it conrad um so one thing I got to mention here, this is the first time we're doing a musical on this show. How is this in line with Super Fantastic Nerd Hour? Well, I mean, I think that, well, first of all, musicals are pretty nerdy generally. <laughs> um, but um, I think just there's there's enormous part of nerd culture, in my opinion anyway, that has to do with fairy tales and folk tales and a lot of basis for a lot of sci-fi is based in some of these older stories and, and folk tales. I think you also have your, your, your Buffy and your other television shows now. I mean, Once Upon a Time, Grimm, there's a ton of that stuff out there. So I think it's, it's right along in our wheelhouse here. Dr. Horrible as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, which, Joss Whedon is a huge fan of the musicals. Right, which, by the way, I realized after we, we did our episode last week or th- that uh, we totally forgot to mention Dr. Horrible as a miniseries, which it definitely falls oh, in that. Oh, that would have been a good one. Yep. Yeah. So in any case, that's... that's uh, but, there, but just in terms of the storytelling... A lot of a lot of things and a lot of themes get repeated a lot, especially in sci-fi and and tales of morality and that kind of thing. So I thought that this would be an interesting thing to discuss. Yeah, and I think musicals are are so inherently nerdy, just like you were saying. They're also, you know, I think they're a, gr- a uniquely American contribution to music and to art and performance. And it's, you know, we, we have operas from before, but the, what Broadway does and what musicals do, the combination of dance and music and the visuals and storytelling, it's a uniquely American contribution. And um, a lot of Broadway shows, uh, which this is based on Into the Woods, the film adaptation, really explore stuff there in a in a subtle way there's always subtext to the stories and there's a lot more beyond them and people can definitely become pretty huge broadway nerds so i'm, I'm glad we're tackling this and it's a little bit different than what we've taken on before but you and i i think are pretty we're both fans of the musicals yeah um i think bill is more of a fan than any of us did um, bill get you into musicals no i you know i had a few that i kind of liked um 
you know, I would not say that I was somebody that would go multiple times to yeah. the same musical. Um, but, you know, growing up, I saw quite a few of them and, you know, some of the some of the classics, especially in the 80s. I did not, however, see this one. So so I did not like musicals growing up at all. Um, I just so my uh, my mom would watch a lot of Bollywood films, which are pretty much nothing but musicals. And uh, they're like five hours long. So I could never tolerate that. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that attention span. So I did not watch musicals growing up. And then uh, Nguyen is the one who introduced me to musicals after we met. And it was uh, Moulin Rouge that got me into it because it was this nice infusion of pop music and a lot of cool medleys. Uh, and from that, I watched Sound of Music and uh, uh, Singing in the Rain and a bunch of other stuff. And I've been a fan ever since. She's a much bigger musical fan and Broadway fan than I am, probably like Bill. Um, however, I, I'm a big fan of this. And did you have any – you said you had not – you weren't familiar with Into the Woods before. Well, I had heard of it and I had definitely heard the, the sort of the main theme and the main theme song. But I never actually saw it. Um, mm. I knew what it was vaguely about um, and I knew – what the storyline was. I mean, in terms of the musicals that I really liked, uh, like, yeah. So as you know, PBS was a big thing in my household. And one, of uh, one of the musicals I very vividly remember seeing was Sweeney Todd. And it was the production with Angela Lansbury. Another Sondheim yep. uh, musical. Yeah. Yep. And it, I mean, it's pretty dark, but it was the, the musical where I was, it, it definitely appealed to me and it, there was a sense of humor about it it was dark but it was also very clever in in terms of how they staged the production and how they wove the different stories and the music clearly is pretty amazing um so it so that was definitely what i remember being first like oh musicals are they're kind of interesting and i definitely saw les mis i saw phantom I could totally, Conrad, I'd totally see you liking Sweeney Todd. As I know. <laughs> I such a Conrad musical. I didn't like Phantom as much as you would. I just, I, yeah, I like. It's weird. It's a little strange. I'm um, your angel of music. Yes. Um, and I don't know if you you um, have ever heard of this. Like, you know, the the guy who plays the principal in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there was some, like, I feel like it was like a television miniseries, a fan of the opera, and he was the Phantom. I but can kind of see him doing that. But because his voice is so distinctive, all I could think was, was like, you know, him as <laughs> Principal Rooney. <laughs> and so that it, I think that that's what messed me up with fandom. Um, but well, yeah, I mean, and that was a big time. Like the eighties were a big musical thing. There was like, and there is definitely a, a sense to them that is very different than at other times. Um, so I, uh, I was a little bit more familiar with Into the Woods probably than you were. It sounds like uh, I first learned about it back in 2010. Uh, one of my colleagues, Lauren Moskowitz, uh, she is uh, you. You two would get along really well. Um, and she was telling me she's not a huge fairy tale fan. She doesn't really like the whole happily ever after kind of thing, as as many people do not. Um, and she said, you know, the one thing I really like though was Into the Woods. And so she told me about it explained the premise and I was like oh that sounds pretty interesting and then I uh, was lucky enough to uh, uh, get a lottery ticket to the uh, 2012 Shakespeare in the Park revival of oh, Into nice. the Woods uh, which was which had Amy Adams and Nguyen and I went to go see that um, for those of you who aren't in New York uh, Shakespeare in the Park is an awesome 
Broadway level production of famous plays and sometimes musicals. And uh, it's all for free if you were able to get a ticket. And I was able to to win a ticket for that one. And I saw Into the Woods there and it was amazing. And I love the music. I love the ideas. So I was really looking forward to this one. I got to say, Conrad, I was a little worried, though, because this is Disney doing well, Into the Woods. So this is the thing. I knew I knew the general story of Into the Woods, even though I had not seen the the musical. And I one of the things that that did attract me to the the whole story is that they're they're doing fairy tales, but they treat things in a Disney Disney when they interpret a lot of fairy tales, Disneyfy them. I guess that's the way to put it. Um, they they make them a little bit more palpable. They mm-hmm. clean them up. They do away with some of the darker stuff, which is really crazy to think about because these fairy tales, which have their origins in the eighteen hundreds, uh, were meant as stories to keep kids to scare kids uh, into it behaving. It wasn't actually kids. It was more adults. So they weren't actually. Um, initially geared towards children well like the grim fairy tales weren't they a little bit more designed to no. kind of scare kids or they're they're no they adults? were more they're more for adults and in fact they actually went through their own whitewashing like there's actually um if uh if you the earlier versions of like uh sleeping beauty and cinderella um have are a lot more blatantly sexual um and there's there's a lot more references that ended up being taken out um, mm-hmm. so no, they weren't initially for kids. They were supposed to be tales that scared the heck out of you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then eventually they did, they did kind of get, uh, passed down, but that's the thing. You also have to remember that like for, uh, you know, literacy and all that, you know, you want an easy, uh, sort of a, a tale to, to teach a lesson and that's how you do it. Um, and clearly, but, and- clearly, clearly it has an impact because if you look at all the influence, that these fairy tales have, um, it's it's interesting to see how deeply it's embedded in our culture and psyche. Well, and how many versions and iterations there have mm-hmm. been, and I think that it, what Disney does is they they have taken a lot of the recent, most recent versions and cleaned them up some more. And you're right, there both um, um, Sondheim and other individuals are influenced by this book. I, I just was discovering the past few days um, the uses of enchantment, which is a '70s book by this uh, psychologist, where he talks about fairy tales and um, their influence in society and how they teach us to overcome struggles and these common themes in them and all that stuff. But they have been retold so many times and cleaned up and sort of have lost touch with what some of the original work was. And Disney is so good at, as you said, Disneyfying them and making them cleaner, more poppy and kid-friendly. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's just kind of funny to see that Disney went through that decision making and it's really you know the grim fairy tales were actually taken from a lot of different folklore and things like that they they, you know they didn't make up all these things like they were pulling from like these are old stories you know what i mean um they're you know and and so it's just kind of funny because they've gone through such so many different iterations. Yeah, and there um, wasn't and to, really copyrights in the 1800s. So <laughs> knowing the origin of some of these might not be possible. But that's why I was really surprised and concerned that Disney was taking on Into yeah. the Woods, a project that does 
have some commentary on the fairy tales, and I was wondering if they were going to do the same thing here and gut some of the more complicated material. Well, right, because they had also done um, Enchanted, which is a very poppy, kind of silly look. Mm-hmm. And they, they poke fun at themselves in it, but it's certainly definitely a, a children-friendly kind of a kind of a film. Um, so I honestly didn't know what to expect. I had some of the concerns you did. And I wasn't. I was wondering if I was walking into another Enchanted, um, and that was definitely not the case. Yeah, so I was pleasantly surprised as well. Um, my uh, to summarize my whole review. I mean, there's a lot more I have to say, but um, I enjoyed this film immensely. I really liked it. I think this is a great um, uh, a great thing to see if you are a fan of the musical, if you're a fan of musicals in general. Um, I think it is probably a little bit of a uh, divisive film, and the reason for that is the experience I had seeing it in the theater. There was a lot of people that walked out uh, not happy and people who said, I didn't really like the second half. And I think there's people might go into this expecting it to be a Disney fairy tale type of story and it's not that i I honestly i think some of the content if if people think that this is a kid friendly film i think it depends on the kid um but i think you should be aware that there's like there's a lot of themes within this that i think could be kind of scary for for kids um it's definitely more uh, to me and maybe you know there there are certain things that I'll watch, and my niece uh will will watch it, and I think it's I'll be like, "Oh, I don't know, this may be too scary for her or whatever, and she has no problem with it, so it's more me like being like, "Oh, I'm a little too sensitive about something like that, so as I said, it's like it depends on you you and your kid and whatever, but it definitely isn't a Disney type it doesn't feel like it feels like a Disney film in certain things because I think the costuming and the sets and the acting and all of that stuff is very as you come to expect i think from disney just this yeah, very production polished values. production yep yep um but i think some of the themes i was surprised they went as dark as they did with some of them it's a pretty faithful adaptation yeah which, which is you know the, so into the surprising woods, into the woods is pretty there's some very adult themes going on in there um there's a lot of subtext mm-hmm. um which isn't that hard to pick up on if you're a kid i think so um so really i would you know if you have kids and and want to bring them to this i i would definitely try to i don't know i don't know if i if if screen it yourself is the the answer but i wouldn't just walk into this where do you do you notice that some of the people walking out were families um <laughs> i did not have many families in my screening i don't know why i saw it friday afternoon and uh my screening was pretty much like, it felt like it was half new yorkers who were actually clapping at the end of songs um as if it's like they're watching a live broadway performance <laughs> and then the other half seemed to be out of town visitors in in for the holidays and they seem to be more the people who are unhappy with it but um for whatever reason i just didn't have a lot of families in my screening which might kind of speak to what you're saying that this is not necessarily a big family film and this is not you know we had we definitely had a lot of kids because we live in a pretty family heavy type of area so um and we had a lot of kids in there and there were definitely some kids like i saw i saw a mom walking your kids out of it so that's why i was wondering if you had noticed so and i could see and i could see that being really scary and there's also i mean there's death even though they don't um, show it as overtly as you would expect, but there's there's 
some very adult themes going on well, here. Well, and I think the thing about there, um, there, there is death. There are these, um, there's subtext that is not too subtle. Mm-hmm. And uh, this film does not treat it as many other fairy tales do because the consequences of those things sometimes play out. There's, there is a death scene and there's a consequence of that and the other characters feel the uh, the loss and that that plays out in the story, which makes this which makes this for an adult for, far more interesting. I think as it for a, a young child, it can make it harder to deal mm-hmm. with that than other fairy tales that might well, kind of simplify some of those. Right, things. and you also might be having some discussions with your kids that you weren't necessarily prepared to have <laughs> if so, if you don't go into it with the the heads up anyway. So, so Conrad, does this mean you liked it? I really liked it, and actually, um, Bill went with me, and I was going to let him off the hook just because I wasn't even sure I wasn't sure if this was his cup of tea. Um, and he he ended up liking it, and we ended up talking about it a lot afterwards. Um, and, you know, I think that that is a good sign of a film if it spurs that conversation. Um, and, you know, and, and overall, I mean, the cast was so fantastic. Um, perfectly I do, cast. Uh, uh, my, it was personally cast. Uh, it was perfectly cast. But there's no you, diversity. Uh, well, oh, did you just had to jump all over me on that one, didn't you? Conrad, um, that, I mean, this is. No, that's what I was about to say is that it was a very, very white cast. And, yes, it's as and white I just, as it's 19 or it's 1800s. Right. And the fairy tales. And you know what? I feel like we've come so far and I I actually yes. feel like Disney gets it, so I kind of was. I, uh, yeah, I was surprised. I, I was very surprised, or at least we've seen them sort of try to start to make strides in in absolutely. the right direction. Absolutely, and Disney has made progress in in some of their other properties and casting um, in a bit more diverse way. And this film, which is in so many ways uh, very contemporary, um, complex, and such a faithful adaptation. It's surprising that they couldn't um, include more diversity here. I was looking for anyone who was not white, and I saw two peasant children in um, right when the second act begins who who were black, and that's about it. Uh, I saw one black attendee at the ball, and that was it. There you go. So, so. yeah, and I just feel like we've come so far, and it's sort of like going from Big Hero 6 yeah, yeah, and then seeing this and thinking about that, I'm kind of like, really? It's jarring. It's like, wait a minute. Ooh. It was a little. I, I was really. I, I admit, I was very surprised at this. Um, and to me, it was just such a narrow-minded casting. Even though the cast was great, um, and I have to say, um, Meryl Streep was amazing. Everybody was amazing. Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. This and Edge of Tomorrow. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Emily Blunt is amazing. She needs to be cast in more, a ton more stuff. More, um, and then of course I was actually thinking about you and Nuan because Chris Pine, of course, is a one oh. of the my favorite parts <laughs> of this whole film. Nuan, I love those scenes so much, and as did I. Um, he does a great job as Prince Charming, and you know, into the woods. This is not your typical Prince Charming. Um, what's that line, Conrad? Um, I was raised to be charming, not sincere. Or something yeah, like that. yeah, it's like the best line. Great line, and the performance of Agony. Um, it, it, it is so wonderful. Oh, fantastic, and. Um, a really great cast. Uh, I, I like the people they cast. They all performed admirably. I just wish the cast was more diverse. Yeah. I mean, and you have, I mean, you also have, you know, Johnny Depp makes an amazing little appearance. Um, 
And, you know, and even the kid actors were great. Uh, Daniel Huddlestone, who, interestingly enough, is also in the Les Mis production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Gavroche. Um, he was incredible. I mean, they really, uh, there wasn't anybody really in the cast that I was like, eh, they could do better. It was just the, the diversity issue, definitely. That it just, you know, and it bothered me throughout the film. Yeah, yeah. Because I kept thinking, gosh, you know, this is a really great film, but it could have been just so much cooler and appealed to a lot more people. Because that's my only thing. It's like I was just thinking about the audiences going to see this, and this just is like a very... It To me, it feels like a throwback, doesn't it? It doesn't feel like it fits in contemporary society. No, no. Um, especially given what musicals have done. Um, going back to West Side Story, which is one of my favorite Sondheim um, musicals, um, that is a both in the Broadway form as well as in the film adaptation. It takes on um, complex issues. It, um, it is uh, cast in a very diverse way. It, you know, it's yes, it's a retelling of Romeo and Juliet, but it, it takes on tough stuff. Into the Woods takes on some tough stuff. Um, but the complexity that Disney um, really meets the challenge with, with, with the subject matter, it doesn't rise to the same level with, with the diversity of the casting. Not to say anything against the people that they cast. They're all amazing. But no. Disney, you could do better here. Yeah. With all that being said, I think we recommend it. Can we do some spoiler discussion, Conrad? Yeah, I think we can do it. I mean, to me, it's, it's a story that's kind of out there. But yeah, so but I would say, you know, if you if you have not seen it and would like to, you should go and do that and then come back. Yeah, and um, let's let's do some spoilers. Uh, the I think there's two things that that kind of stuck out for me. One that I liked, and one that I that I didn't like in terms of some of the changes. Uh, so one of the things that they did is the um, the casting of Little Red Riding Hood and Jack. Um, it's a little bit changed from the the stage productions where they were cast as teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood and Jack here are are younger kids, and I think it works for Jack because it, it makes sense that he would love his cow as much as he does. Mm-hmm. When I saw the, uh, the 2012 production, it, it just seemed like this guy was an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but here's the weird thing. So I like that. But with Little Red Riding Hood, the scene with her and the wolf. Yeah. It Let's was, talk it was, about that. Well, this is the thing. I wasn't sure what they were trying to do here. I mean, to me, it's blatantly. I mean, the whole the whole idea with the Into the Woods and the in the Red Riding Hood story is they really play up the fact that this is a this is a woman um, or a teenager, I guess, who is and the wolf is seducing her. Mm-hmm. Um, here in the film, because her age is a little bit more ambiguous, um, they call her little girl. She looks very youthful. It's hard to really. I would say she's more of a tween. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like, and, and Johnny Depp does an amazing job, a super creepy, amazing job. Super creepy, but great job. But as great well. job. But it feels much more like pedophilia to me. Um, Absolutely. It and was that in- would make me like super like uncomfortable. And that's part of it is that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, there's definitely parents with their kids in there. And I'm just like, this is a little, it's subtext but it's not exactly subtle subtext so it was incredibly uncomfortable um if she was cast as someone a little bit older i think it would have been less uncomfortable and that scene is meant to be it would still it's it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable and i understand that but i feel like you you could have gotten the point across without also making it icky 
Um, yeah, and it really is and it icky. Felt it's icky. really uncomfortable. Um, I I was really struck by that. I think that that is going to be really hard for children to see and i think that it's a very tough scene um so i did not like that change i i didn't think it was adding anything by making little red so young um or appearing so youthful so i did not like that change at all um but the other scene i think you and i were both referring to is the death of the baker's wife uh, mm-hmm. played by emily blunt and um again emily blunt i think she steals this whole um, show and her character, I think, is a character that does go through the most growth and and um, is challenged in, in in really interesting ways, especially with the scene between the baker's wife and um, Prince Charming um, and how that plays out. But um, that scene, I really liked how how they treated this character and after her death, the consequences that that death has on the baker and the characters around. Um, but I think that's also something that's going to be hard for kids to take. So um, I think those were the two scenes that are more complicated and um, thematically make into the woods different than right. <laughs> most fairy tales. Right. And then the other the other change which um because i didn't know it like i knew the the general summary of into the woods but i didn't know every specific story and part of while i was watching it the there is a uh, rapunzel storyline um, oh, yeah. in this story yeah. and i kept feeling like it was just i don't want to say boring but it felt like it was just kind of pushed in and they don't really do anything with it um and then that is one of the changes is that in the um, in the musical, she actually dies in the story, which makes a lot more sense in the context yeah. <laughs> of all of the stories being woven together. And because I actually went and deliberately looked that up because I was like, this is sort of weird that they just sort of left this one story of this character that they've built up and then just kind of leave her, you know? Yeah. It just felt yeah. a little bit like loose end kind of that, that's and that's a part of some of the criticism is this uh, people are saying the second act um doesn't hold up as well and the film is split into these two acts which is the first half is our fairy tales as we know them cinderella jack and the beanstalk uh little red riding hood and uh rapunzel um and the second act is really the consequences of happily ever after the stories that aren't told mm-hmm. and uh i so I think you're right. There are some loose ends there, but despite that, the film didn't feel too long to me. No, it didn't feel um, like I, I hear some of the criticism in the third act. It was a little, it dragged a little bit more. It didn't move along as as quickly. It wasn't woven as tightly. But I still overall very much enjoyed this film. And I think, given the complexity of the storylines and what they were trying to do, and the visuals and the musical, I mean, musicals are longer for a reason. Yeah, You know, you have to fit in all those numbers and those numbers are telling you the story. And there's so many different things that um, affect the different storylines here that I think that they did overall. I think that they did a fantastic job. Um, And there is there's a frenetic pace to this um, to this musical where a lot of things are happening at the same time. And I think they did a really nice job of showing that visually. The other thing that's really nice about this is um, uh, Agony is a good example where we have these two princes. They're singing. It's very – it's great satire on these characters uh, of Prince Charming's in in fairy tales. And it's very over-the-top and funny. But that is something that's hard to do in a stage production. You can't mm-hmm. really do it on a waterfall. You 
you can't have characters splash water on themselves. And that was a change that they made that really added to this as a film adaptation. A lot of times, uh, film adaptation, we'll talk about this in Les Mis, um, they might just try to replicate things or they might add too much visually. And the main change and the main opportunity here is to extend on the themes in a visual way. And I think Into the Woods does this really nicely. There's, and I liked with the giant. Um, we don't really see the giant in the stage production. You see the legs of the giant and mm-hmm. you know the giant's there, but you don't really see the face too much. And they kind of stayed true to that here too, yeah. um, which was really nice. Um, so I think it's it's faithful. It is – I love the the ideas um, – that uh, it's not happily happily ever after there are consequences i think the uh, i think this is really a fantastic film adaptation of a musical right i agree and i you know i think it's very hard to keep the keep the heart of a musical in a film adaptation and as a person, you know, I know clearly you have seen this and you've seen several different versions of it, it sounds like. Um, it, you know, I, I think it's very hard to keep an audience interested a lot of the time um, when it is a film version of a musical. And I really enjoyed this. Um, so I think that even if you had not seen this, you like on the stage, you could still very much enjoy it. Uh, and, and, you know, my mind are a little... My my issues were were more just things I was thinking about uh, during the film and a little bit later, but I, I think they're very minor. I, overall, I would definitely recommend this. I feel the same way. So uh, <laughs> I, this is probably where we should point out that you know we were going to review Hobbit this week. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel that there's already enough hate in the world. Oh, you know we. So you and I are like, okay, we should do Hobbit. We should totally see it. It's the last one. And the marketing, I think, was working on us a little bit. Uh, one last time journey into the Middle Earth. And then we started to hear the reviews from critics, which were pretty bad. Actually, and- the reviews that upset me, the critics, I'll take those and that's fine. Um, it was friends of mine. Exactly. Same here. That just were... They they are the ones that kept telling me, you know, and I am a big Peter Jackson Jackson fan, by the way. I do think that he is a great director, and I have forgiven him an awful lot because I think that he is fantastically imaginative, and I've liked him even before he had all this fame um, with uh, Middle Earth. <laughs> um, but like, I really liked his work. I thought it was really interesting. Um, if you've never seen uh, The Frighteners or, um, or um, there is another one. Oh gosh, what is it called? Beautiful Creatures. Um, those those are fantastic films, and, and they were really films that I was a big fan of his before all this came through, so I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And as we had discussed, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go and see this last chapter. And then some of my friends who were the most voracious, like, defenders, um, not voracious, I guess, uh, obstinate, stoic defenders. Adamant. Adamant. True believers. True believers of, of Peter Jackson and the Hobbit, um, I was seeing their commentary and it was hard to avoid. Like it was just on like tweets and things like that. And I just thought, you know, I think that there's enough 
uh, tearing apart of this film everywhere that that perhaps we should take a pass on that one. I don't. Yeah, I didn't think we have anything to add to it. I think the the tweet that really got me was um, friend of the show Randy's uh, tweet. Uh, it, he was so disappointed and so angry uh, about this, and I said, and he is a huge fan of Tolkien and of Peter Jackson. And he, to some degree, defended the first Hobbit movies, though admitting that there were mistakes in them. And if he, as such a big fan, was so disappointed at that, you know, I'm, I don't want to see this. I don't want to spend my money. And I don't want to subject our listeners to, to something that we can't really add too much to. So I'm so glad we did mm-hmm. Into the Woods instead. And I hope those of you who aren't necessarily fans of musicals check this out because there there is something here for people who are nerdy who are familiar with these fairy tales and um i think it will give you something to chew on mm-hmm. um also did you get to see the avengers age of ultron trailer no i didn't get an age of ultron trailer i did not get the star wars trailer what trailer did you get um i don't even remember no, nothing nothing memorable really yeah Weird. Yeah, and I saw this at AMC Lincoln Square, you know, a big theater. I don't, I don't know why we didn't get those big name uh, trailers. That's kind of weird. Um, yeah, I was bummed about that because that was. I was oh weak. man, I wanted to talk about it with you, so I guess I'll have to pause. But still, have not seen it. Um, but uh, are you ready? Oh yes, Conrad? I am we? so ready. Let's do it. All right. Well, medley let, away. Let's venture into the infinite crossover chamber. Conrad said, straight ahead, not to delay or be misled into the crossover chamber without delay, but careful not to lose the way into the crossover chamber. Who knows what we may, we may, who knows what we may debate on this journey into the crossover chamber to debate to musicals, then out of the crossover chamber and home before an hour. Or an hour and a half. Or an hour and a half, most episodes. And if we have a guest, two hours. <laughs> <laughs> you even wrote lyrics good job ollie yeah thanks it was uh, a lot of fun um i could not get the the theme out of my head so it was, yeah. it was therapeutic for me to write that so conrad what do we have in the crossover chamber today well today in the crossover chamber we are pitting into the woods the the newest film release that we just been discussing against 2012's production of les mis um so so those of you who are fans of a little uh, hate podcasting, you might get some of that here. Um, all right. So here's why. Uh, and, and the question is, what's a better film uh, musical, right? Um, so both of these were holiday releases. They were both film adaptations of beloved musicals. Uh, they were both musicals that have been around for a long time. And they're both musicals that had various adaptations before. Liz Miz had a live film version, a non-musical version of it, Into the Woods had the Broadway revival in 2012. It also had the PBS production. And I think there's a filmed Broadway production that's available too. So, um, Yeah, but Lee Miz has also had various, not not musicals, but it's also been, you know, there's been miniseries. There's been so many different adaptations of this thing. Like it is just a... And people people want to tell this story a lot and over and over again. It's a juggernaut of mm-hmm. a musical. And, you know, I went into the 2012 uh, version somewhat optimistic. Tom, uh, Tom Hooper, I believe, was doing this. And he had just come out of doing King's Speech. And before that, he did John Adams, a miniseries for HBO that I've talked about a few times on this podcast. And I am a fan of his work. I really liked King's Speech. And Hugh Jackman was cast. 
and mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman, in addition to being Wolverine, is an amazing uh, Broadway performer. Um, yep. He can and sing. You also, you also have like uh, the the guy that we just saw in. Um playing playing Daniel Huddleston yeah, no well he's in it as well but it's um Redmayne that that gentleman that we just saw in playing um Eddie Redmayne who was just in the he was playing um Stephen Hawking oh, the theory yes, of everything yeah the theory of everything absolutely sorry as I stutter over and over again <laughs> couldn't get it out no you uh, got it but you definitely had a lot of people who could sing in this cast I mean there Hugh Jackman was that's pretty much what he was doing before that was where he cut his teeth was in a lot of different Broadway and musical yeah uh, before he was Wolverine mm-hmm. he was a huge Broadway star um and a lot of people here were good. Amanda Safe, uh, Safred, I believe. Helen uh, Bottom Carter was great. Um, Even uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was all right. He was funny. He was funny, and he that's did, what that he role. Did a, he did a pretty good job with that role. I, I, I was just like, okay. Uh, and then I know we're going to go into your Russell Crowe hate. Oh. Yeah. So, Conrad, that's uh, two problems with uh, Les Mis, and easily, <laughs> easily Into the Woods is going to destroy Les Mis in this crossover. Just pound it into the ground. Um, two problems, casting and uh, adapting execution. the work. Execution. Ex- execution, absolutely. Russell Crowe shouldn't have been anywhere near no. uh, this film part of The all. part of Javert, just from a musical, like from a musical point of view and from a casting point of view, you need to be a powerhouse of a st- of a singer. You need to have somebody who is equal to Hugh Jackman in that role. And I know Russell Crowe can do some some great things and has done some great things, but um, but he does not have the vocal chops to do this. And he no. and he clearly didn't. And it was awkward. Um, but I also felt like. I I know that there was a big thing about when they were making this film, the director and everybody talked about how to do the music. And so uh, the, the decision was made that they were all actually doing the, the singing on set. And so that's what we hear. And and, and it's a constant sing. Not only yeah. do they sing the songs, but they also sing pretty much every word. Mm-hmm. And it's and you know I get trying to sync stuff up can sometimes make it look unnatural if you're if you're recording and then overdubbing things, but I feel like the music part of it, like the or- orchestral part of it, as well as the vocal part of it, felt disjointed in a lot of places. It was not like if you're if you're making a film adaptation of a musical, that music needs to be flawless and. You That's know, what's driving the film. Right, and and, yeah. and it didn't happen here, and it was disappointing. And I, I mean, I think some of the argument was that the the actors could have a lot more leeway. They could show a lot more emotion if this was the way they went. And you could see that, but unfortunately, that part of it doesn't... When people are going to see this, they want to hear the music, and they want to hear it in an amazing way. And I think Into the Woods did that, and Les Mis didn't. Yeah. Um, it- and then the other piece that I just found extraordinarily... Like distracting and weird about this and I agree with you I think um Tom Hooper as a director he's really talented and I think that I was very surprised to see some of the decisions that were made there was a lot of very close shots of people um 
the camera it was like the wobbly cam it was very distracting and it did not really it felt very claustrophobic and it yeah it, it, like if you're gonna show like i feel like part of the point of and perhaps the point of making a film adaptation of a musical is to show those beautiful the the spaces and the the sort of weave the story into the setting where sometimes on stage because you have the stage and you have the limitations of being on the stage you can't show all of those things yeah and i you know i didn't feel like they really did it in les mis um, no there wasn't restraint i think visual visuals restraint um or some might say taste there were a <laughs> lot of extreme close-ups and then a lot of these wide angle shots that were heavily cg mm-hmm. um and it was you know it's, it's like someone needed to tell this guy hey just because you can doesn't mean you should um, and so I was really surprised by that. It was too long um, because every single word of the uh, of this of this film was sung. It you you'd had absolutely no separation between the songs, and um, I found myself becoming very fatigued very quickly. Uh, there wasn't really much. I enjoyed Hugh Jackman's work uh, tremendously. And Amanda Seyfried, um, I hope I'm saying that right. I enjoyed her I thought her, it was Seyfried, but Seyfried I don't know. Seyfried is probably right, Conrad. I, I, don't, I, I honestly I don't know. This. I always mess around with it. Um, but also, you know, Anne Hathaway won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see it, man. I, I didn't, didn't see it. See and it. I'm not, Conrad, she's only in for like 15 minutes, too. Well, that's part uh, of that role. But... Um, I, the other thing is, is that uh, have you ever seen the musical, the stage yes, production? Yes. So one of the really amazing things about Les Mis is that they and they unfortunately, I think they took it away in the more recent revival, but they had this fantastic rotating stage mm-hmm. um, where like different parts of the stage would come apart or a character would be walking. They showed an amazing like the sets were gorgeous. And so even with the limitations of being on stage and what you could do to sort of put people into that world, they did a beautiful job. Like the stage design for that production was absolutely incredible. Yeah. And and, uh, and, and it, so if you're going to do a film, I should feel the same way about what you're showing me cinematically. And, yeah, and I didn't so, feel that. Um, Nguyen and I were talking about this the other night after we saw Into the Woods and comparing um, the film adaptation of uh, of Rent. Rent is probably my favorite music of all time, and I've seen it in every iteration that it's available. And one of the things that I liked about the film adaptation of Rent is uh, there's a song called Santa Fe. And uh, when Rent is done on Broadway, it's, it's one sort of set. Mm-hmm. And they don't really change the set too much. And you can't do that in a film because a film is a very visual medium and ne- things need to change mm-hmm. to keep the audience's attention and what they did is they maintained that claustrophobic feeling of the set by doing that song in one subway train and yeah. it was such a nice way to honor the stage production but also make it visually interesting for a film and that sort of honoring the source material but extending upon it given what you can in film I, I Les Mis doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. It, it really doesn't. I, I kind of wish in my dream version of Les Mis, I wish Hugh Jackman was still in. He took he takes Russell Crowe's role and Neil Patrick Harris is steps in as, as the main lead. Um, I think the two of them vocally 
can really um, they could battle it out against each other. I would have loved to have seen them uh, in this. Um, well, pretty well, and pretty much other, anyone but Russell Crowe, I guess. Well, and, but that's the other thing is that any any recording you've ever like cast recording you've ever heard of um, Les Mis, the vocalists that are on there are the cream of the crop yes um you know they really are and it's never somebody who can't handle the part of javert yeah and and those are these are the the thing about les mis is that i think that some you know they have like part it's so catchy it's it's massively appealing to a lot of people get because they have different themes that kind of repeat and then like all musicals end up sort of blending in with each other and you hear it throughout the throughout the production and then you know but but you need to be able to belt out that stuff, <laughs> and you need to be able to. You hit can't those. sing it like this, and this is how Russell Crowe sang it there, in the yeah, whole film. Yeah, it was really. Oh I, yeah, Russell Crowe. This is how I sing. I wonder if he was embarrassed. <laughs> I feel like he must have been, because that had to have been hard. I mean, he know. I just can't imagine that he didn't know. That it was, and maybe he just like couldn't get out of it. Who knows? Well, a lot of people made fun of him afterwards. I and mean, he did a nice job redeeming himself with uh, Man of Steel later that year. He <laughs> was a, a nice Jarrell. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, you know, I I think just stay stay away from the musicals if you don't have the chops. That's all I can so, say. I think in every way, Into the Woods is a far superior film. Um, I don't think there's any reason to watch Les Mis. No. Um, listen to the music of the one of the Broadway releases and you will have a far infinitely better experience um than you will watching this film um yeah. go do that or watch um, the earlier film uh with Liam Nielsen I think is Nielsen. he's in there yeah yeah go see that instead um but also you know I the other the other thing just uh, to go backtrack a little bit about the Anne Hathaway role I think part of why I couldn't bring myself to like it was also because in my head I'm still like uh Patty Lupone was the one that I always remember doing that role. Yeah. Um and it's that's another thing with vocal chops. I mean, she was fine in Hathaway, but she wasn't it, it it still surprises me that she won an Oscar with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, uh, yeah. It I mean her uh, w- what worked in that scene was her acting, not right. the singing. And I had no problem. I think she did a great job. I just was sort of like, all right, I guess maybe this is sort of a bright spot. And and she and Hugh Jackman are trying to like kind of keep things going. Yeah, and um, it was still early enough in the film where you might have some hope that the film yeah, might get yeah. better. <laughs> but so. it's yeah. But in any case, I think you and I are are both uh, giving this uh, crossover win. To into the woods. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned into the woods because there's no debate here. Um, well, I'll just I'll just go ahead and say that in terms of production value, storytelling, acting, and musical performance, it's got it all. And you know, even with some of the slowing down of the story in the third act, it's still a really interesting film. And so I'm I'm glad to see that they're getting a great reception. So, all right. Um, well, nice way to summarize it. Let's close up those doors. On the infinite grass of a chamber. And on to our top five fairy tale retellings. Hey. Um, so I had a hard time with this list, Conrad. Really? Yeah, like because, narrowing it down or? Well, I, I didn't. So I didn't think there were that many amazing 
fairy tale retellings. And maybe it's because I was kind of restricting myself to film. Mm. Um, and I realized that right before we started recording. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'd even consider like books. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I might have had a wider gamut of things to select from if I did that. But um, there were a few that came to mind and those few became my top five. And I don't know. How, how did you go about creating your list? Um, I tried to, uh, you know, I I came up with a list of all the different things and I did try to pick a couple of different um a couple of different retellings in terms of books versus films and that kind of thing because there's a lot of good stuff out there. Um so hopefully hopefully I've come up with a couple of uh couple of good ones. Yeah, I've got some wacky honorable mentions too that I will bring up, but my list might end up being a little bit more conservative than yours just because I was having I was drawing a little bit of a blank. Um and we'll start with my number five, which is one I mentioned on the show previously, and it's Aladdin. Um, a few reasons why I put this on here. Uh, this was the first Disney animated film to feature a male lead. It was also the first Disney animated film that uh, featured non-white characters, hmm. although there is some of that Disney racism stuff where the villain is darker skinned than everyone else for no reason at all. Um, and it, it featured an amazing Robin Williams uh, performance, which I mentioned in our, in our Remembering Robin Williams episode. It's based on some old Arab folk. Uh, folk tales and um kind of loosely adapted from 1001 nights um I, I enjoyed this film a lot it's not just because there's a song called prince ali although that helps um and i think it was uh which good. as you know we sing all the time <laughs> yeah we do um and uh, I, I like it I, I think it it was a nice uh, little bit of a departure for disney cool um my uh my number five is is a retelling it's a film um and it came out in i want to say 1998 um and it's called ever after um it's with drew barrymore yep really yep um and i honestly had not seen this film ever and my niece one day when I was visiting said, you know, I'd really, I really want you to watch this movie with me. And it's a retelling of Cinderella and it's, um, actually really interesting and it's an interestingly well done retelling and they actually make Cinderella a very powerful character within this. Um, I don't remember it being good. It's, it's very beautiful. I will tell you, you know, I'm, I'm more seeing it through the eyes of like a little kid. Um, okay. In terms of how okay. much my niece loved this film, Got um, it. and there is, uh, you know, without getting too spoil, like this is this is a character they retell it and, and sort of switch it around so that she is a very empowered Cinderella. Okay, um, and it's I can get behind that. And the prince, it kind of makes a fool of himself and whatever. And and I liked the idea of having this telling where the woman was a really powerful character, and she's not just letting. You know, she's not, fate isn't being dictated to her. And part of what came to mind was actually watching Into the Woods and the Cinderella theme and story in there, mm-hmm. where Cinderella gets to the palace and doesn't really, doesn't really want exactly what it is that she thought she wanted. Um, so it's just sort of a bit of a twist. Um, and I do think, you know, and Angelica Houston's in this as well, by the way. Oh, wow. So it's, it's actually a very cute film. And I think that, um, 
as as silly as Drew Barrymore can sometimes be. It is it's a very <laughs> it's very cute. Um, and I had and just sort of it was one of those things where watching how much my niece loved this and how excited she was to share this with me. Um, I had to put it on the list. That can make a big difference too. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, my number four is a film I just saw last week, and uh, uh, well, that was with friend of show Diana Chang from our Big Hero Six episode. Um, Maleficent is my number four. Mm. Um, so I just saw this. I, I, I know there were mixed reviews about it, so I sort of stayed away from it a little bit. And I think you and I briefly debated whether we wanted to cover it or not. Um, so Maleficent is a, a sort of a retelling of the Sleeping Beauty story, and it's told from the perspective of Maleficent, who's the villain in uh, Disney's Sleeping Beauty. And what I like about this is it is – um, in this version, Maleficent isn't pure good or evil. She's a little bit of both. Um, she's more of a gray character. And while the males in this film are very underdeveloped and the three fairies are super weird and super forgettable, um, <laughs> completely forgettable, I like it. I like the film. I love Angelina Jolie's performance. I think she does a really amazing job in this film uh there's some moments that are pretty tragic and she just really sells it um i like it a lot better than frozen it has some of those themes of frozen i think it does it better um and so i i, I enjoyed this a lot more than i thought i was going to hmm. that's pretty so that's cool. my number four i have not actually seen that yet yeah, I'm really. I, I would be really interested to hear your thoughts on it, uh, Conrad, because I, I I was pleasantly surprised by um, by it. Uh, again, it's not perfect. There's a lot of underdeveloped characters, but the character that's not underdeveloped is Maleficent. Really nice arc to her story. Hmm, cool. Yeah, what's I your number four? To, I may have to uh, check that out. Do check it out. Um, my number four. It is a book, but it is also a film and a musical or it will be a film um and it is wicked mm -hmm. by gregory Maguire. wicked is being turned into a film i believe so whoa or there was talk of it i think this is one of those things where people talk and talk and it hasn't yet gotten yeah there yet. i mean into the woods was originally going to be a film with uh, billy crystal and robin williams <laughs> and then that didn't happen so yeah it's it's one of those juggernaut films the one of the most successful broadway hits um of the last decade before book of mormon uh wicked was the thing to go see mm -hmm. it still is still and i mean it's it's a fairy tale of sorts it's a very american fairy tale so it's based on the wizard of oz and it's the for those of you who, ha who don't know what this is or the storyline is it's basically the story of the wicked witch of the west like her real story and it's an interesting idea. The book, I think, it, it falls book a little bit... It's a lot darker. It's darker. It falls a little bit short. The writing isn't as as good as I would personally like it to be, but it was a very interesting concept, and I applaud Mr. McGuire for uh, for coming in, <laughs> coming in and being like, okay, I'm going to do this. This is an interesting way to... Uh, to take to sort of like an interesting take on the whole story and looking at it from a very different perspective um so you know i i think that the musical clearly has done very well and the music from that musical is really beautiful it's phenomenal um so so good so good and uh, the um 
the, if you see this on Broadway, the the staging for this is ridiculously beautiful. The the background that they have um, for Oz is uh, so cool, um, and there's some great uh, there's some great messages too in the in the musical mm-hmm. um, about friendship and about. Um, uh, how your first appearances might be deceiving. Um, I, this is one of New Anne's favorites. This is one of um, my favorites. Um, great pick, Conrad. Yes, and ah, it has been announced that the the film adaptation is supposedly being released in 2016. Do we know anything about who's cast? Uh, the only people that I've heard really confirmed are Adina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth are both going to be. <gasps> They're reprising their roles. Yep. Oh my gosh, they're they're from the original uh crew, the original cast of the Broadway production. Oh my gosh, Conrad, yeah. I am super pumped. We need to go see that when it yeah. comes out. Yeah. So so that is my number four. Ooh, I like it. I like yeah. your number four. And I, I should say Wicked does uh what Maleficent does better. <laughs> uh yeah. Wicked does take this character that's a villain and give you a really rich backstory uh, to the character. So hopefully that'll stay true in the film version. Yeah, I also feel like it does a little bit of what Into the Woods does, especially with their witch character, is is giving a different idea about what might be true and what might not be. That there are many sides to a story in many ways at looking at yep. situations, and uh, Wicked takes it all the many steps further and makes it the whole basis so yeah so if you haven't caught that or read that i definitely think that you should yeah it, it, it'll be one of those things that you uh you walk away with and um yeah. you're kind of thinking different things uh, and the musical i think kids can go to the musical the book probably not so much yeah so the the thing with a musical is there is subtext but it's harder for kids to pick up mm-hmm. on and even even the subtext that's there, it, it's good social commentary, and it, it, it'll launch good discussions. So, uh, yeah, it's a great one for yeah. kids to go see. And the reason why I'm talking a little bit more about the context with kids is that just because, you know, I, I think some of our listeners uh, have mentioned the different things that they like to to share in terms of nerdy things, uh, nerdy movies with their children. And so I just like to make it clear because I, I think it's one of those things that you, you do have to give some spoilers so that kids don't get upset. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. One thing that uh, anyone can go see with their kids is my number three pick, which is Disney's Princess and the Frog. Um, I know I've mentioned this before in another episode, and uh, this is a film that's loosely based on the Frog Princess which was that was based by a grim fairy tale the frog prince um i really like this disney film it is uh came out in 2009 i think a lot of people haven't seen it i'm not sure why but uh not only does it have beautiful cinematography beautiful music it features one of disney's first uh disney's first black princess which is awesome and adding diversity to the disney pantheon of characters but the core message of this film is what brings me back to it time and time again it's not just wish upon a star and everything's going to be okay but it's have a wish dream big and work hard that is a core message throughout this entire film and i love that um i really love this message i think it's a great one for kids to get and um uh, it it adds a lot more to the disney canon so this is one of my favorites cool 
You've mentioned this one a, a couple of times, I think. Because I want more people to see it, Conrad. Why aren't people seeing this film? Ah, oh, well. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is um, is the the film and yet another Johnny Depp film, uh, Sleepy Hollow. Uh, Meaning no. he was in... in uh, I think I saw Did this. Did you not see this? I think I saw this. I, I know there's been a few different iterations. Well, um, and there's so, also a TV sh- series now, which... I've only caught um, I've only caught a couple of episodes, but I, what I have seen I like a lot. Um, so that's part of why I put this on the list. However, when the, did what, the film come out? Was this late nineties? Yes. Yes, I did see it, and I did like it. I, um, did, I do it remember was, that. It was nineteen ninety nine. But yep. the TV series has been around since twenty thirteen. I think. Yeah, and people like um, it. I and seen the, it, but. I do need to sit down and basically get more into it and have dedicate some time to watching it because what i have seen so far i really like um the writing seems great it's super creepy um it's pretty dark um but it but it looks pretty good to me at least the little that i've seen so uh sleepy hollow because this is clearly a, yet another kind of an american uh fairy tale or folk tale and it seems to catch the imaginations of people clearly since there are many different ad- adaptations of this story um the film version was directed by Tim Burton, and it has a lot of your usual uh, suspects, suspects for him. <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, it's kind of interesting because I think at that time he wasn't yet with Helena Bonham Carter, and so his wife at the time was was in this film. Um, but it's with Christina Ricci. Um, it's it's a very gothicy looking dark film. Uh, Christopher Walken's in it as well. Um, it's it's. An interesting tale on many different levels. It is definitely not a kids' movie, um, oh, no. but it deals with um, it, again. It's sort of oddly enough. So many of mine <laughs> apparently deal with witchcraft, um, but <laughs> in this in this retelling of the tale, um, Ichabod Crane, is, who is played by Johnny Depp, goes to Sleepy Hollow to determine what is happening there. There's lots of bad things happening. Uh, lots of different murders, um, which may or may not be related to witchcraft and, and witches. And he is a very, shall we say, a very repressed and strange character. Um, and he he has to find out the truth. And some of the things that he thinks are real or not, or good or bad or not. Um, and so it's it's an interesting retelling it's definitely if you like darker things, um, but but I still like it. I think it still holds up. But it's very much along that fairy tale, that dark fairy tale line of things. It's a great Halloween movie to watch. Yeah, so. um, yeah, good pick. And then the series, I will report back when I get more into it. Maybe we should we should review it at some point. Sounds good to me. Uh, my number two uh, is 2001's Shrek. Oh, that's my number one. Oh. <laughs> A uh, good pick. Uh, well, I'll let you take it away then. It's your number oh, one. Oh, no, pick. no. You talk about it. We no, can, no. We can Conrad. talk together. All right. Well, I, I won't say much then. Um, I, I, th- there's diminishing returns on the sequels. So I'm just going to put that out there. Mm. But the the first, the original, the 2001 film um, is, is a really nice uh, nice parody 
of a lot of Disney films mm -hmm. um, and a nice integration of many different fairy tales. I really like the slogan from the original, which was uh, the greatest fairy tale never told, mm -hmm. um, loosely based on a 1990 uh, book called Shrek, but uh, the film kind of takes some different directions. Um, I really like what they did. I liked some of the messages here in the film. I thought it was funny. I thought it was really uh, well cast. Uh, Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, Cameron Diaz, they all did a really nice job yeah, don't, here. Don't forget Antonio Banderas. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. As Puss in Boots, uh, he was really fantastic. He was great. Um, so uh, um, really nice, fun film all around. I like some of the music that came out of it, too. Second one was okay. Uh, third one was pretty bad. Um, but the first I love. Yeah, and I think that they do a good job of making, you, you know, I think some of the, the sort of like the things in common that we see for some of the picks that we've liked, um, or at least maybe, maybe it's just the ones that I like, but it's especially when you think of the happily ever after fairy tale. Um, a lot of the things that I like in these retellings is that things don't always end up so neatly or things aren't as magical and whimsical and perfect as you thought that they would be which I think sometimes Disney is guilty of in their, yeah, in their yeah. telling. So I was really, I loved that Shrek was kind of poking fun at, fun at itself. It was a little bit silly. They made some of the characters that you wouldn't expect to be unsavory, annoying and unsavory, you know, it's, <laughs> and it was kind of cool. It was, and there was a good sense of humor about it. And I think they had a great soundtrack and I think it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah. That was why, that's why it was my number two. Yeah, or your number one. Um, my number one. Wait, wait, that was your number two or your number one? Oh no, that was my number one. Sorry, my number yeah. two. Um, yeah. So what's your number two? My number two was actually um, it was Enchanted. <laughs> Conrad, we totally switched around. That's my number one pick. Oh, weird. That's so funny. Uh, but so, both Disney kind of things. Um, well, I, Shrek was DreamWorks, I think. Oh, was it uh, DreamWorks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, my bad. Um, but um, I, like, Enchanted, I it took me a while to watch it. I will own up to that because I was kind of like, ugh. This looks a little bit annoying because some of the trailers were just, they were just very cloying and sweet and whatever. And it's with Amy Adams and... Um, like playing the the main female role. On the surface, it's not a very Conrad film. No. Um, if you see the trailer, you're gonna be like, I don't want to watch this. Well, and again, that's that was my initial reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Bill really loves this film, and he made me watch it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and I totally understand why he made me watch it. It was fun. It, there was a lot of like, again, the poking fun and the the sense of humor about some of the Disney properties. So. Um, and the, the different telling of the tales and the reality. So uh, for those of you who have not seen it, do you want, should we spoil or no? Well, I mean, I don't think we have to spoil too much except that um, this is a really nerdy film. Mm -hmm. There's animation. There's live action. We haven't seen that too much. I mean, Who Framed uh, uh, Roger Rabbit is a film that integrates the two. We haven't seen that much in cinema since then. Uh, this film does that well. Uh, there, there's some really funny moments. Uh, there's a lot of plays on uh, previous Disney films. Amy Adams plays this princess, uh, Giselle, and uh, it plays on that Sleeping Beauty moment where uh, the princess sings 
sings a song and all these animals come and they kind of uh, play with her and sing along. And uh, this movie plays out. What would happen if a princess had that ability and did that in the middle of New York City? And you can kind of imagine what type of animals are around. It would be summoned. And that scene just always makes me crack up. Uh, Adina Menzel's in here. James Marsden does a really great job. Um Actually, a little kind of side note, James Marsden, who some of you might know as Cyclops, I think was originally cast as, uh, as Chris Pine's role in Into the Woods. So you, you can kind of see what that would have been like a little bit here with Enchanted. Uh, Patrick Dempsey is in here, and yep. he's famous for, um, oh gosh, Conrad, what's that show? Uh, Grey's Anatomy. And that was one of the things that, too, made me question this film. Like, uh, I don't want to see this. But they do a really nice job making fun of themselves. So Enchanted is a um, one of my favorites. I love this. And great music, too. Um, really great music that, that comes out of this. So uh, I couldn't recommend it more highly. I think this is also one that kids and adults will both appreciate. Yeah, definitely. Um, I had a couple of honorable mentions. Did you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do, and they're weird. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I kind of put in the Alice in Wonderland from 2010 because I did think it was pretty beautiful, but it's not, to me, it wasn't like a true, true re- retelling. Mm-hmm. Um, it stuck kind of close to, to what it was. Uh, the other one I had uh, was, the other two I had, The Brothers Grimm. Um, it's pretty dark, but it's it's basically about, uh, and it has Heath Ledger in it, if you can believe it. And, uh, wow. yeah. Um, it, and it's, it's a Terry Gilliam film. And so parts of it are better than others, but it's an interesting idea of basically sort of showing where they got all their fairy tale ideas from. Um, but it's kind of dark and it's a little bit weird. So I couldn't quite, it, you know, not, not that that ever stops me from putting something on the list, but it wasn't good enough. I felt to, to put in the top five. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I had Hook as an honorable mention. Hook is an honorable mention for me, too. Um, I, I actually uh, don't, don't, don't hate me, but I just saw Hook, too, last week. Wait, you never saw it before? I never saw it before. So, I don't know So when why. I was, like, teasing you about Rufio, you had no idea what I was talking about? I played along. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea what you're talking about. But, Conrad, I really enjoyed yeah, it a it's lot it's so much fun there, i mean so there, there's fun. there's parts of it where you're like oh, okay they get a little bit cheesy but it's such a great idea i think uh, of a reinterpretation and and um um was it dustin hoffman playing hook is amazing he does such a great great uh mm-hmm. hook uh really enjoyed hook that's on my honorable mention as well um i also put on here artificial intelligence i know i've mentioned that before but it's mm. it's kind of a pinocchio story a little bit uh, but it's yeah, i'll give you that yeah and the other one um i put on here is pan's labyrinth uh just mm. because it's it's inspired by many fairy tales it's doesn't really have its home in one it's got that uh, feel to it though yeah, and just to kind of uh, be really weird, I'm going to say Pretty Woman. Oh, that is kind of weird. 
<laughs> but I see, I see that too. I guess you could put the Matrix on too if you really wanted. <laughs> I guess you could do that too. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, uh, uh, dear listeners, uh, this was our last episode of the year. We're wrapping up season one of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. Uh, we would love to hear what you thought of Into the Woods. Um, did you also uh, hate Les Miserables as much as we did, or the as the honor honest trailer refers to it as Le Miserable? Uh, uh, or uh, what are some of your favorite uh, fairy tale retellings? Um, yeah, let us I, know. I would love to hear what some what what our listeners have to say about this. So um, please let us know. You can uh, tweet us at Nerd Hour. You can go to our website, uh, nerdhour.com. You can also uh, reach us at uh, info at superfantasticnerdhour.com. Conrad, next week, 50th episode. I know, 50th, uh, 50th episode. So we're going to have some some special guests and some, some interesting chat, I, th- yeah. I would say. I think it's going to be a fun one. I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. Uh, we will be... We're kind of circling back around in some interesting ways. We're not going to give away everything yet, but um, it should be a fun episode, and we'll be ringing in the new year and season two of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour with our 50th episode. It's crazy. I I feel like just yesterday we were talking about her and Ready Player One and all those things from uh, from a year ago. Um, Conrad, where can people find you on the internet? On Twitter, I am Die Prince and uh, you can also find me on my Undead podcast, Reanimated, with my buddy Stuart Tiffin, and that's reanimatedpcast.com. No, it's reanimatedpodcast.com, and on Twitter, we're reanimatedpcast. Oh. <laughs> ah, Stuart, sorry, man. You were doing right. so well. But where can so people long. find you, Ali, more importantly? Uh, no, not more importantly. Equally, importantly, uh, let's see. I am uh, the science fiction psychologist at BrainKnowsBetter.com. Um, you can also hear me on Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. I don't know why I'm promoting that while we're on Super Fantastic Nerd Hour, however. Um, I am also on Twitter at Alimatu. And um, I've got a new project, Conrad, that I will be um, hopefully launching soon. And I'll have more to say about that next week. Ooh, but, exciting. Uh, it is exciting. Um, it's a uh, interesting experiment that I hope it works out. But uh, wait, I'll are have... you experimenting on yourself? Uh, not like in a creepy mad scientist kind of way. Okay, okay, uh, just checking. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> but it's uh, uh, something a little different, and it'll be something that's uh, people have been asking me to do more psychology stuff. So uh, I will be doing that. Uh, so I stay can't tuned. wait. I can't wait to hear more about it. Yeah, next week. Um, So with that, listeners, thank you for an awesome year. We hope you had a great holiday season. And uh, I guess there's nothing left to do, Conrad, but wish everyone to live long and prosper. Indeed. Into the woods, into the woods. Into the woods we go. (laughs) Oh, so good. That's it. Yeah.